So here's an uncomfortable question. Does the American church deserve to survive? Throughout the past year and a half of all the COVID stuff, <clears throat> about 1% of people that get COVID die, and about 6% of people that die from COVID didn't have anything else. So when every church shuts down, because 6% of the 1% die, do they deserve to come back? Does the American church deserve to survive? And here's why I say that. The reason the whole world shut down, and you could say, oh, this is just some, uh, you know, this is just some uh, right-wing stuff. No, both sides shut down the country. So um, both sides did it. No, nothing partisan about that. But fear does to the soul what disease does to the body. So living in fear, having no faith, shutting the doors because you don't have sufficient faith to keep them open, or you don't even have the wisdom to say those that are sick or fear being at risk should themselves stay home, but we have a, a symbolic duty to stay open. We have a symbolic duty to lead, to not be a source of fear, because we live in a materialist time. So we live in a materialist era where we fear the destruction of the body far more than anything negative that might happen to the soul because we don't really believe that the soul exists or if it does, it's just some uh, new age thing that we <clears throat> experience at uh, Burning Man and then we go back to our normal materialist life of emptiness and consumerism. So, since all the pastors want just as big a house as everyone else, since they're just as greedy as everyone else, they can't not shut the doors because they are so modern, they're so like everyone else, they have such the same values as a businessman, they essentially run the church like a business, that they're basically a politician. They can't piss off um, rich people, and rich people are predominantly old people, and old people are predominantly bothered by COVID. So they can't piss off them because they pay the bills because they're old and rich. So since you can't piss off the rich old people, then you do whatever they want you to do. And if they think you should shut the doors because they personally are more at risk because they're old, then you do. Because you're not, your values are the same as everyone else's in the world. There's no distinction between your values and the society's values. So the idea that we should be uh, wise as a serpent, but gentle as a dove, that we've just threw that out. So as soon as the fact was shown that 6% of those that die of, with COVID have nothing else, as soon as that became aware in the public knowledge, every church should have opened. If not, every church should have stayed open. See, we have so similar values to the rest of the world. We have virtually no distinctions in our values that we value the destruction of the body and pretty much only that. We don't really value the, you know, the negative effect on the soul that living in fear has. That closing the doors on a church is saying we capitulate to the fear of our society. Our society is panicking in fear and we say, yes, sir. You tell me when to jump and I'll say how high. 
they asked us to bend the knee, and we did. And since we did, I'm not sure that we deserve to continue. And if you ever wonder why the world is leaving the values of Christianity behind, don't wonder any longer. Look how weak the leaders are. They have no distinction between people that are just out in the world. They're, they're the same in almost every single way. They don't have this deep-rooted sense of faith that goes beyond the death of the body. They fear the death of the body as much as everyone else. So when there's something that could potentially put some risk, not nearly as much as people are saying, but some, certainly, especially for old people, some risk to the body, but it could have an extremely negative effect on the soul, on the symbolic view of life, that when every leader bends the knee, when every single leader bows to the fear of the culture, does the church deserve to survive? Or is its death and is its impotence just being finally revealed to us? As I sort of reconstructed my faith over the past few years, something really odd was that the answers to the questions that I had that no one else was answering were actually older than the things I was raised with. So a lot of the like corruption of the things I saw in Christianity were new, were modern things. And that the answers, the true answers, were older. Uh, they come from older writings, from older thinkers. But if we fear the physical death as much as everyone else, if we downplay the role of the non-physical life, of the actual spiritual life, if we see that as dispensable as the rest of the world, then what is our point for existing? Pastors don't typically, apparently, don't really know what they believe. They don't really know what the implications of what they believe are. And in many ways, they're politicians. They can't piss off the old rich people. And they don't even understand symbolism at all. Uh, I don't understand it much, but they, it's not even something that crosses their radar. So the idea that we have sort of this uh, collective uh, symbolic view of, of life and that there's some importance to things that are... Here's, a, here's, a, here's something um, to think about. Some things are important that are not physical. So if, you're, uh, if you call yourself a Christian or of any religion, really, this should be, uh, this should be pretty straightforward for you. But apparently... Um, the physical body is all that matters. And uh, even though 6% of the 1% um, die from, from this thing, you know, uh, who cares? Because we can't, we can't piss off the rich people. And um, God forbid we don't get that huge house. God forbid uh, we, don't, uh, we don't get to indulge the greed that everyone else does. And, uh, you know... God forbid we actually believe something they don't. We actually live in a way that they don't. We actually value things differently than they do. That we value the non-physical things more than the rest of the world.
God forbid that. So I recorded this a few days ago. I actually put it on Instagram and then I pulled it down. I wanted to make sure that I wasn't being vengeful or that I wasn't letting my spite get in the way or something like that. So if you feel that there is something off about what I've said, then uh, you know, then please forgive me. Um, I have great respect for the church, and I want to mention these few things before we move forward here in a few minutes. Number one, I have huge uh, affection for the church. Nearly every important relationship in my life has come through the church. Um, I was there last week. I'll be there next week. I love the church. It has uh, shaped my life perhaps uh, almost more than anything else. The pastors I've had throughout my life have made a huge impact on me and uh, and have really helped me through some difficult times, and I have huge regard for that. But we are very weak, and we are very modern, and we are very materialist. So we can blame the world going to hell in a handbasket all we want, and we can sit around and act like it's someone else's problem. But if you go around your life, and everywhere you look, it is materialist worldview. It is the view that only what is matter is important. And then you go to church and after all the songs and all the talking, you know that deep down those people have the same values. They're just nicer or pretend to be. Then why would you come back? And should we never doubt why the church is shrinking? Because it is impotent. I was wrong about one other thing. You don't become a pastor to become rich. Some pastors are rich. And I think there is some deep corruption in that. But you do not become a pastor to become rich. And I think actually much of the reason to close is threefold. It is fear of the old rich people who hold the strings. That is true, partially. But it is also compliance to the government's rules, which is at least partially noble. And then third, it is using our government's rules as a scapegoat for our own cowardice. You saw this when Trump became the nominee. Many Christians were shocked at the fact that he became the nominee. Now, I did not vote for him to become the nominee, but it made perfect sense why he would. But why would someone be shocked at that? Because they have lived in the bubble so long that in their bubble, in the bubble of many Christian leaders, it is still the 1950s in the good ways, you know, in the ways that they still picture America being this very Christian nation. And so in that way, when someone like Trump, as vulgar and as rough as Trump became the nominee, they were shocked by that because it broke the mold they had in their head of the way the world worked. Because in their bubble, it was still this Christian nation. And we are seeing it here again, that people who are living in the bubble do not understand why we might have to push back against the government but in reality, this will not be the last time that this becomes necessary. And in the future, I have a feeling that the things that will be thrown at the church's footsteps to accept or ignore will be much more controversial than this. So you may ask, Zach, a lot of this has passed. Why would you mention this now? Hasn't this whole thing passed? One, no, because people are freaking out again. And two, no, because bigger things are coming much more controversial political things are going to be pushed into the church. And we must know the hills we die on. And we must actually have hills to die on when that moment comes because it is coming.
So maybe you think I'm fudging the numbers. So let me go ahead and get that out of the way. This first piece is directly from the CDC. Quote, for 6% of the deaths, COVID-19 was listed as the only cause mentioned. For deaths with conditions or causes in addition to COVID-19, on average, there were 2.6 additional conditions or causes per death. I saw somewhere that the fatality rate of COVID-19 is 1.7%, according to Johns Hopkins University. But in a different study, Anthony Fauci said this. If one assumes that the number of asymptomatic or minimally symptomatic cases is several times as high as the number of reported cases, meaning a ton of people have COVID, but because the symptoms aren't super bad, they don't go get tested, then the case fatality rate may be considerably less than 1%. Johns Hopkins says 1.7% of the people who have been diagnosed but Fauci said in the New England Journal of Medicine that because many people have minimal or no symptoms that do have it, they potentially do not get uh, diagnosed with it. And as a result, the fatality rate may be, and I quote, considerably less than 1%. Okay, enough of that. Another thing you might say is, Zach, you're not a pastor of a big church, so you got nothing to lose. Isn't it easy to just sit on the sidelines and take shots? And I will say, yes, you are right about that. I do not have some big church. And if I did, this would be a much harder decision because I would actually have a lot more to lose. So you are right in that, that this is much simpler for me because I am not the pastor of a massive church with a job to lose. But do we not have anything that we would die for? Is there nothing above our personal safety? Are we just as empty and materialist as the rest of the world? Is there no hope in Christianity that does not die with the body? Because if your version of Christianity does not save you from the fear of the culture, then why keep it? What good is it? Scripture says, I have not given you the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and sound mind. It also says, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Fear is a cruel and empty God to serve. Is there nothing higher than your safety? Is there nothing higher than self-preservation? Is there nothing worth dying for? Scripture says, do not fear those that can kill the body, but fear the one who can kill the body and kill the soul in hell. Now, if God is cruel and if God is petty, then he is saying that because he wants to manipulate you. He wants you to be his little puppet and he wants you to fear him so that he can feel better. But if God is where all good comes from, where all true comes from, and where all beauty comes from, then when God says, do not fear those that can kill the body, he is saying, fear only me. Fear only the one who can kill the body and after death kill the soul in hell. Because if you fear only me and I love you far more than any of them do, then you will be free from all the rest of the fear of life. That to walk with God is to be free from the fear of life because it is to be in service of the one who can destroy the body and the soul but happens to love you and happens to love me. There is no fear in love 
but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. To live in fear is a punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. 1 John 4.8 We must know when it is time to draw the line. And we must not cross that line. We must know the hills that we die on, and we must die on them. The purpose of life is not to live as long as you can and to be as safe as you can. This is the sort of argument that people make, this very, uh, you know, um, this very low argument that, oh, why do we send people to space when there are people who need food? Because maybe life is about more than eating. Maybe there's something more valuable than just getting by. That maybe there's something higher. Maybe there is something worth sacrificing for. Maybe there's something worth dying for. We are called to be the people that run into fires, that run into burning buildings, to be the people that ran into the Twin Towers as they were about to fall, to save those. We are called to be those people. We are not called to be those hiding in fear. Cowardice, fear, is a punishment. And we are to be free of that punishment. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how can it once again be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled on. If you see your faith being trampled on in the culture... You must ask yourself, where have we lost our distinctions? To be different for no reason is of no use. But when there is a time to separate us from them so that we might love them better, so that we might lead them out of the punishment of their fear, and instead we join their fear, then should we then be surprised when the things we believe are thrown out and trampled Underfoot. There's a very famous nun who once said, In light of heaven, the worst suffering of earth will be seen to be no more serious than one night in an inconvenient hotel. Is eternity something we actually believe? Or is it something that holds us over on this long trip to nowhere? Is eternity something that we actually believe actually exist? Is there actually an afterlife? Or do we just say that to feel better in the moment? Because if it does exist, then the death of my body is of very little consequence. That I will soon die, and so will my kids, and so will their kids, and only one thing will be left standing. And if I sacrifice the hope, that one true beautiful thing that gives all of life its meaning, so I can preserve my own safety, then why should I be surprised when no one has any regard for the way that I live? For I am no different than they are. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Matthew ten, twenty-eight. If you fear nothing more than the death of the body, then it is quite possible that you do not believe that the soul even exists. We are called to not have a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and sound mind. 
If you want to get vaccinated, go ahead. If you want to wear a mask, go ahead. If you think it's safer to stay home, go ahead. But we should not bend our knee to the fear of the culture around us. And at any moment we do, we should never again be confused why our beliefs are being trampled on by the culture. Fear is a punishment. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Fear of God is freedom from every other fear. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Not this virus, not the next virus, not the next mass hysteria. We should know exactly the hills we die on. We should know exactly what we believe. And we should know exactly when to push back. Safety is not our God. And if it is, it shouldn't be. Is there nothing worth dying for? Is there nothing more important than safety?